is the time that we once again embark on something so special. It is Men Seeking Tomahawks time. Dan, how are you tonight, sir? I'm good because this is something that's not just special, but this is new. We're embarking on a new journey. First time ever after 80 some episodes. So special and so new and yet so experimental. Uh, This is exciting. Now, Dan, I don't want to alarm you, but uh, there's someone else in the studio with us right now. I have noticed. I'll I'll go ahead and be the man who who once again introduces uh, to this forum Texas professional wrestling hardcore legend, the no longer drunk drunk Adam. Adam, welcome back to Men Seeking Tomahawks. Yeah. How are y'all? Good to see Ooh. you, buddy. Round of applause. Yeah. I hear him. You know, Adam, Adam uh, sold me my first set of bootleg professional wrestling tapes out of the trunk of his car like 15 years ago. It's the easiest $50 of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Paid my check. Oh, gosh. You look great, man. You're all sober great. and stuff. Man, That look at that skin, that complexion. Just what a beautiful human being we got right here. This is crazy. Can't believe it. Can't Just believe bored. it. So we're we're going to waste our opportunity to reintroduce Adam on something we're referring to as the Men Seeking Tomahawks official movie review, now with 100% more special guest. And the movie in question is not, it's not Titanic, it's not Avatar, but maybe it should should be up there on that level. What do you, uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, we are going to be discussing this evening the 2003 super hit tiptoes we previewed this last week that we were going to do it and we we warned everybody that they should watch it or they might be a little lost but i think we might paint the picture here where even if you didn't watch it you'll want to watch it at the end i think oh we're gonna sell this hard we're gonna sell this so hard i got a question for 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 the round table uh did anyone has anyone figured out why the movie is called tiptoes I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Good question. Uh, No. I mean, is it a play on Gary Oldman having to wear prosthetics to pretend to be? I don't want to spoil it here, but to pretend to be what he was in the movie? (laughs) I don't know, man. I've woken up every night since the first night I watched this film in the middle of the night, sweating and panting, just (laughs) screaming, why? Why is it called tiptoes? I don't, I don't know, but we're not going to figure that out, but I, I, we are going to walk you through what is unquestionably one of the most confusing things to have ever been concocted. If, if, if we will. So, uh, we're going to go ahead and get into that. But first, as per usual, we are going to also feature, uh, some music, that you likely haven't heard. And Dan, I, I recall you saying that you enjoy the electronic music, correct? I do, and and I bet whoever you're featuring is going to be happy to be featured on this particular episode. Oh, this is this is going to set the stage for us. This is going to set the level of enthusiasm. Because not only does Dan like electronic music, but I've heard that uh, sea shanties are making a dramatic comeback. And so why not put the two together Uh, right here for your listening enjoyment, folks? This is Dirk Zero with Dat Sea Shanty 2 Remix. Enjoy right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks. 
That Sea Shanty 2 remix. My gosh. Electronic Sea Shanties, Dan. Dirk Zero. I think he's a fan of uh, the Mavericks with a name like that. can only assume. But if you need to hear more from Dirk Zero and or any other musicians that the Men Seeking Tomahawks have introduced you to, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. So, boys, tiptoes. Let's chat. We've got a lot to talk about here. This this movie came out in 2003. And if I were to tell you that there was a movie in this world with Kate Beckinsale, Matthew McConaughey, an unknown Peter Dinklage, there's an Arquette in it, and you've never heard of this movie, you might think, wow, that sounds like an amazing under-the-radar movie that I should have probably heard about. And you would be wrong. <laughs> so that's not that long ago, right? That's what I, I kept thinking is like these people were all other than Peter Dinklage. They were all stars to some extent already. Like these weren't a bunch of unknowns that then took off later. Like by 03, McConaughey, Gary Oldman, who you forgot to mention just then, but he was the star. Yep. Uh, Kate Beckinsdale. Patri- was it Patricia Arquette? Is that the one that it was? It was yes, Patricia Arquette. I mean, they were all like names already. So. Not only that, but they were na- they were making blockbuster films in that same year. So <laughs> how about that? So I-, I wanted to, the way I have this kind of steered is that I would like to kind of discuss the history of this because the movie itself is insane, but the way it got made might be equally insane. And so you guys jump in at any point because I, I again, I have a, I have a disgusting, nauseating amount of notes about tiptoes here. And so I'm, I'm going to kind of get through them. And like I said, jump on in whenever you need to uh, interject in the magic. So this movie itself was written by a guy named Matthew Bright. Now, none of us have ever heard of Matthew Bright, which might give away the plot here that this was a stinker that ended his career. This movie, he made it when he was in his 40s, I believe. But this script was actually written when he was 18, which makes a lot of sense that an 18-year-old came up with this idea. And in his own words, the, the the whole premise, the movie that he wanted to make was a movie about little people effing. <laughs> that's, and that's... That actually didn't really play... That actually didn't happen at all in the movie, right? Oh, oh. it did. We had sex, but I don't think between little people... Oh, there, right. <laughs> there, there, <laughs> there, there were little people participants, yes. Um, but it wasn't little on little, I guess. They sure did talk oh, about it a lot. So a lot. 30 years after 18-year-old Matthew Bright came up with this insane, this genius idea, he was an up-and-coming independent writer and director. He had a little bit of street credibility. And so here's here's a left-hand turn. Matthew Bright goes to his mom's husband's neighbor and pitches this movie idea <laughs> for little people doing it. His mom Where was he? I mean, we're talking like in Ohio or <laughs> uh, yeah, this has to be a Midwest idea, right? I, well, I guess I mean, I guess I mean, what's what's neighbor's uncle going to do? Well, that's, <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think this I think we're talking a coast and I'm going to assume West Coast. Because the neighbor is John Langley. That name might ring a bell 
because John Langley is known for being the creator and executive producer of the television show Cops. Boom. So somehow or another, this bright guy talks, chats up his parents' neighbor, John Langley, with this pitch. And Langley says yes. So so this guy gets funding from the dude from Cops. And he goes about putting together what anyone would consider uh, an amazing top-tier cast. Which how, yeah. by the way? <laughs> well, and that's that's the thing. So he signed. He gets. Oh, can I um, get in? A long time ago, I was. Uh, I had this. I think it might have been Maxim or something back in the, those days. And there was an interview with Gary Oldman, and uh, it was right when Harry Potter, right when he started out with Harry Potter, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, they they had asked him, you know, like, what are your kids fans? Why did you take this movie? He's like, I was broke. So I took this movie and that was, I think around the exact same time as that. So he probably, I mean, cause yeah, I love Gary Oldman and just to see him do this movie broke my heart because I was just yeah, it's cr- about him being broke. And, like, and it's crazy to see like after this movie, you just talked about Matthew Wright, the director and the writer and all of that. Yeah. Basically it was his movie that he did absolutely nothing after this, like freeway Two: confessions of a trick baby was his movie before this that didn't do him in, but this movie did. But then, and you know, Gary Oldman, like the star of this terrible movie that did in Matthew bright, but then following that he starred in Harry Potter and then starred in the Batman trilogy from Christopher Nolan. So like, how did this movie like, you know, be, how was that like a launch pad for Gary Oldman who like, you know, mm-hmm. was a star after that? Yeah. There's so many, so many Academy awards came from, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this movie was definitely a cul-de-sac. It did in bright, but this long list of people that were in this movie, there's, I mean, we're talking about the most, some of the most influential people in Hollywood uh, for <laughs> over the past two decades. So let's start there with, with Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman. Not, not only is this an odd role for him and an odd place for him to pop up, but the role itself is that of a dwarf. Gary Oldman plays a dwarf. So that's a little bit weird, right? Because he's not. You you need to clarify anyone that doesn't know Gary Oldman. He's a regular-sized person playing not a dwarf. A little person. Yes. And that's not even where it stops with the weirdness with Gary Oldman because the 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 main guy in this show is is one Matthew McConaughey. And Matthew McConaughey is supposed to be the twin brother of Gary Oldman. Now, McConaughey is not a little person in this. Matthew, uh, Gary Oldman is. But Gary Oldman in real life is 11 years older than McConaughey. So not a They're dwarf. They're playing twins. Not, yeah, not analogous age-wise to McConaughey. So that's all a little bit weird, right? And, and Adam, you very well may be on to something with the reasoning in which Gary Oldman took this role. He, maybe he just needed the money or maybe he saw something in this script. I mean, in the, in the trailer, the trailer is wild ass, but in the trailer <laughs> and the trailer reminds me a lot. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie, the room, but the room is kind of the, the most known example of just a, the most terrible movie of all time. And in the trailer for that, they make lots of grandiose claims about how good that movie is. 
And very similarly for Tiptoes, they make the claim that Gary Oldman is in the role of a lifetime. This was supposed (laughs) to be the crowning achievement on the Gary Oldman legacy. So that's wasn't he in JFK? Yeah. He was, I mean, he played a pretty significant was, role in, in some pretty big movies prior to that, too. So, yeah. Dracula. Uh, Fifth Element. Fifth Element. Yeah. Tiny, it goes Sitting on and Nancy. on. <laughs> it's, but. So did, did you guys know that he uh, <laughs> he also played the voice of Tiny Tim in a Christmas Carol movie? So maybe that was his first yeah. kind of foray into ah, tiny, being someone yeah. other than himself. Yeah. yeah. Jim know. Carrey was all, get that guy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So so that there's there's tons of weirdness with just Gary Oldman's casting. Kate Beckinsale, keep this nugget in your head cuz she's a gorgeous gal and was at the top of her game I guess in the in the mid-aughts when we're talking about this movie. So she agreed to do this movie for the SAG minimum. Uh, which mm-hmm. far below what she was bringing in at the time. Her only her only caveat was that she had to wear her lucky hat. We will talk more about that later, but that's what you need to know about Kate Beckinsale and her being in, involved in this movie. Okay, because I noticed her wearing two peculiar hats in the movie, and I'll be interested to know which one of those two hats was her lucky one. Yeah, I, I mean, you. oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we also have an unknown Peter Dinklage, which again, this did not end him because he goes on to be in one of the biggest television shows of all time. Uh, With a French accent, right? Yes. None of them use their real accent. Oh, it's so. Except McConaughey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had yeah. an Australian. Yeah. But the French accent. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned, Patricia Arquette and David Allen Greer, just to throw that in, also in this film. <laughs> So that's your cast. Whenever they started creating this movie, it kind of reminded me from the stories I read about it. It kind of reminded me of Wayne's World, where uh, Noah, the arcade guy, just kind of comes in and, and runs things and wrecks house. Because apparently when Langley and his wife show up on set, they just basically made everyone miserable. And one of the the, the really interesting anecdotes that comes from the making of this film was that Langley's wife saw Kate Beckinsale wearing her lucky hat and made a oh, no. huge fuss about it. It was like, she cannot be wearing that hat. And Bright, who landed Kate Beckinsale for peanuts, is like, she's got to wear the hat. That was the one thing. Like, she's got to wear the hat. And so that was the descent into Bright being removed from the film was it basically got away from him. Uh, he was fired in post-production and what really did him in was that he was invited on stage at the Sundance film festival to introduce the movie and basically just rips into the Langley's. And so he, he basically dug his own grave and couldn't get out of it. And what got, what was made subsequent to him leaving was what the three of us spent this week watching. Yeah, you know, I, I, you're probably going to get into this maybe, but the movie he signed off on was like a 150-minute version. Is that what I saw? Something that was like over two hours in no. length, and they called that the director's cut? No. But then what actually made it to what we watched was more like 90 minutes, and it was the producer's cut. And I, it seemed like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this was not like a theatrical release. 
I think it went to a couple film festivals and then maybe went straight to DVD at that time. But the film festivals, the first one it debuted at was that super long version. Yes. And then it was chopped up after he completely was disassociated with the movie (laughs) into the version that we saw. The Snyder Cut. Yeah, the Snyder (laughs) Snyder Cut of Tiptoes. I mean, that's you say that and I'm kind of I don't want to get fascinated by this. But part of me really wants to see this quote unquote director's cut thing because, yeah, what what ended up getting released was a 90 minute rom-com schlock. It's 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 awful. Well, so many plot points that weren't closed and so much like just jumping from one scene. Yeah. You know, you'd see one scene and then it would fast forward. You know Um, what? Man, maybe they maybe they did have a bunch of little people screwing. And exactly. That's what got cut out was. Was 60 minutes of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just cl- and nothing cl- else. Just 60 minutes of that. It's just. How cl- do we get an R rating? <laughs> no, it's NC-17. DAA just had a. It's just. They had cl- a field day with that one. Caligula with little people. That's basically. <laughs> what- They're making them drink wine and gutting them. Oh. oh my god okay Matthew Bright can have his way yeah I I, I kind of want to see the director's cut because he makes it sound like what was released was not what he wanted so it's like okay go ahead let let me see it so okay guys well, it seems like even like Peter Dinklage was what he I saw him being quoted as pretty upset that it got chopped up too so it seems like at least a few of the actors and actresses involved preferred the previous one and maybe it's because it was more of a complete story they that defended it. There was lots. I mean, if you look at the interviews, for mm-hmm. sure, there's lots of defending it. So there- that said, we're going to get into this. And like the acting is so terrible that even if the plot points were closed and some of the stories didn't jump cut, it's still terrible all around. <laughs> do you guys want to uh, do our music, our pleasing musical interlude and then get into the movie itself? Yeah. You guys really uh, excited about or- this? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Okay, guys. So I don't have another sea shanty. I apologize. But this is equally awesome. Here for you now is a little bit of instrumental alt rock from Gainesville. This is Samurai Sword with Bagel right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks.
alt-rock from Gainesville. Beautiful Gainesville. That was Samurai Sword with Bagel. The Leopards, Gainesville's mascot, you depending bet. on what Gainesville this is. Any Gaines, all of them. All of mm-hmm. them, Dan. All right, boys. Now is the time that we unravel our thoughts and walk our listener through the cinematic masterpiece, Tiptoes. So, once again, I'm I'm going to captain this ship poorly tonight. I'm going to walk us through this movie. You guys stop me where you need to interject. Tell me your thoughts on this thing. <laughs> so, this is a sprawling movie. It goes lots of it's there's lots of scenes. They don't fit together well, but let's walk through each one of them. And just right off the the top, can we all agree that the first 10 minutes or so of this movie has a lot to do with Matthew McConaughey's junk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I had a time code written down. 945. Is he wearing a cup? That's all I wrote. So, yeah, <laughs> ni- 945. Like watching Jabata <laughs> wrestle. You're like, no way. That's a cup. Come on. Yeah, it it re- reminded me. Basically, I just um, assumed this this movie was a vehicle to demonstrate his girth, uh, and and it, it it does subside eventually. But it reminded me. I don't know if you guys remember. A few years ago, the Mavericks drafted this guy called Dennis Smith Jr. And the only thing to this point I still know about Dennis Smith Jr. was that at one point he tweeted, "Everybody has God given talents. Mine just so happens to be slanging this wood in my pants," and that. <laughs> That made him my hero, and that's all I could imagine was the point of this movie, was for Gary Oldman to play a a fake little person and for us to all look at Matthew McConaughey's business. His pecs were looking good, though. I mean, he he was in shape for this movie. Um, Not just his natural gift, but also his physique in terms of, you know, the work he put in for these shirtless scenes and pantless scenes. He Yeah, he he never goes half-cocked if you will. So the opening scene of this movie guys is, uh, Kate and Matt, what I like to call Kate and Matthews nineties studio apartment, because, Oh my God, as soon as this movie starts, it's like, it just felt like Dharma and Greg or any other like late night Skinamax film where there's like cool <laughs> business guy with slicked back hair and kind of bohemian hippie girl doing some kind of painting. That's what we open upon. And by the way, this place is huge. Like, it seems like they live in a, a decent part of L.A. Like, it doesn't seem like it's a high crime area. Right. Yet neither of them seem to have, uh, well, his job, what, he's like a firefighter well, trainer. No, 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 don't do, don't, don't, no, no, don't, but he's wearing a suit. Like, you're exactly right. It looks like a place that costs $9,000 a month, and mm-hmm. he's wearing a suit. So the assumption, I mean, that was one of my very first notes is, what does Matthew McConaughey do for a job? Because he walks in and he's all suited up like he's about to go, you know, buy a thousand shares of GameStop or something for some, you know, really important mutual fund or something. I don't know. He looks like a serious businessman is what I'm saying. That suit didn't didn't stay on for long, though, did it, Jack? Oh, it did not. And that's the thing. The trailer and the movie immediately get into implied exhalation profession. Immediately. Kate Beckinsale, again... Hollywood royalty. And I mean, I don't like this movie is it's got, it's got lots of problems. Misogyny is definitely a factor (laughs) with this, but immediately Matt, uh, Kate Beckinsale, who's described as 
strong, independent artist woman is going south towards Matthew McConaughey's feature. He turns her down. And he turns her down. Yeah. No it's time. Sometimes no you time. don't have time. Don't he know. calls her a cruel woman. And it's it's, it's like so cruel for that. What what did she do? She so. <laughs> anyway, so that whole opening scene, that's the first like 30 seconds of the movie. That's, that's a what lot. they want you to. Yeah. I mean, usually you want to start the movie with something that like really gets it off to a good start. And that's what they chose to do with it. We we then move to Peter Dinklage and the aforementioned Gary Oldman somehow riding tricycles through the desert. Mm-hmm. Motorcycles oh, can have more than two wheels, Jack. Sure. I, you know, I'm not here to judge motorcycles, Dan. So Peter Dinklage then meets his love interest, who is some gal who gets kicked off of a bus for unknown reasons. We never find out what her story is. No, we don't find out much about her. But the things we find out about her are in my notes and we will discuss them because they are wild ass. Uh, So now they're uh, I guess she's bumming a ride and they are off to meet with McConaughey and family at a little person convention, which little. okay. before we get too far into this. Sure. This interview right here, this little segment would have been a lot different back in 2003. I I, I told you guys that as soon as this movie started, it felt like these boys have trapped me and they're (laughs) going to get me to say something messed up and recorded and use it against me for the rest of my life. (laughs) That's definitely not the goal, but I agree with you that this movie (laughs) could not be remade today. I don't think. Oh no. I feel like, Eric Cartman in church right now, just like can't do it. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I've adapted well to the, I, I well enough to the, you know, the sensitivity, but man, like, yeah, I was raised, you know, calling sure. my friends really nasty things <laughs> that, you know, we don't really mean, we just really want to, you know, sure. She, that was, that was just a word, but yeah, like, yeah, this is the, the whole movie. I was like, and that was the joke, too. It's like the whole movie was based around the joke that, like, there's little people in the world. And that was like the punchline of the whole movie was that, hey, little people do things differently, but they're just one of us. But, like, it's presented as a punchline throughout the entire movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it it misses the, the, the mark considerably. So, so. <laughs> So yeah, I, absolutely, Dan. Uh, Adam, no, I, I thought, I thought the same thing because like none of us want to say anything insensitive here. It's and, and it, but it's a balancing act because this movie is a um, effing mess. Uh-huh. So so outside of the uh, well, they do the little people convention, right? And we then the thing that I learned at the little people convention was that in this universe, David Allen Greer is a somewhat is a very notable celebrity, especially with little people for some reason. And and that's, I guess that's what we were supposed to get from, from that whole thing. Because he was playing, he was playing the entertainment, right? He was like the, yeah, like he almost came off like an old school wedding singer, but he was the, the stage musical act at this convention. Yeah. And he 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 rears his head again at another point that I'm going to I can't wait to talk about. Uh, so we, we move outside the convention and that's when we get to see the brothers meet twin brothers, Matthew McConaughey and Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman on his knee. This is when you first start to see the effects 
that they use to try to make him look like a little person. There's like a pillow in his back (laughs) on his shoulder. Yeah. 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 They put a like prosthetics and stuff. And then at his knees, they, I don't know if they, it looked like it was like painted on to the film maybe where it made it, they painted shoes onto his knees. It was, they showed him from the back a lot, you know, whenever, and you know, obviously he had a a stunt double, a lot of doubles. Yeah. 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 Very, very like, occasionally they would show it's almost like they, they had this much money for effects on actually making Gary Oldman small. And like three times you get three times that we're going to, we're going to work on this. So everything else was waste up. But I mean, if you, if you read how they did it, he basically was walking around on his knees the entire movie. It looked like, and whether (laughs) he had shoes attached to his knees or whether, like you said, it was put in, put on in post. He spent the whole movie walking around on his knees or yeah. buried him. I don't know. The camera oh, that, was always filming him from the top. Everyone, all of, all yeah. of the scenes when there was all little people, they were shooting mm-hmm. down to like, I <laughs> and, guess, yeah. m- amplify the effects. But actually what I did read was like every scene where he was sitting, they like hollowed out the seat. So they like mm-hmm. custom made a couch to where his feet would just go in about knee deep into whatever he was sitting on. And then I guess they would just attach the prosthetic feet to yeah. his knee locations. I just Beetlejuiced him. <laughs> I, I hear that John Langley still sits on that sofa to this day. So feet uh, in. Yeah, feet in. That's the only way to go. So again, outside the convention, that's when we get to see the two brothers meet. Uh, the two twin brothers, McConaughey and Gary Oldman, who are more than a decade in real life separated from each other. Uh, and they they kind of you know shoot the breeze and whatnot, and we we get to see that the the actual little person with very good acting chops, Peter Dinklage, is the ruffian, right? He's the uh, he's like what a French socialist or something, and Marxist, Marxist. Mm-hmm. Now he's got this hippie girlfriend, Patricia Arquette, and they're rabble rousing at the Little People Convention. Trying to steal steal food and getting kicked out and people screaming at him. Breaking yeah. bottles. That, that's pretty much the extent of Peter Dinklage's thing in this is just being the... He was the wild one. Yeah, not really comedy element, but like just something else for some reason. I think he was supposed to be serious. I don't think he was supposed to be part of the comedy. I think he was supposed to be kind of the grounded one that was, you know, truly upset in different situations. Yeah. It took me a long time to to realize that he was French. I, he had like a Russian <laughs> sound to him at first. And, he was all uh, over the map. Yeah. 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 But actually, you know what? I read this role is what got him the gig on Game of Thrones. This is kind of where he was discovered by the Game of Thrones casting director or producer or whoever. This is what they saw it. And they actually liked the French accent is what I read. Ooh. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, again, they're... I feel like there's more to this. Like we're going to get through this just talking about the movie, but I feel like there's all sorts of weird stuff that uh, has subsequently happened and occurred because of this movie. So, so back at the, uh, the, the McConaughey uh, studio loft, uh, we, we learned that uh, Kate Beckinsale is pregnant mm-hmm. in a, in a very uncomfortable scene right after we get to see McConaughey's tidy whities and all that implies and, uh, and I guess we should say that she does not know about her fiance's. We find out later that they're actually engaged. She does not know that his family contains 
his both of his parents were little people and that his twin brother's a little person. Everybody. She knows nothing about his family. Everybody in McConaughey's family is little except for McConaughey. And that's that's what we don't know or she doesn't know. And And how does she take it? Oh. <laughs> well, and the, yeah, it's okay. So when when she tells him he's pregnant, I felt like that was a really uncomfortable scene, but I feel like it was kind of kind of like a normal like oh well this wasn't planned kind of awkward like i feel like that conversation's been had a time or two in this world right oh yeah just me (laughs) no sorry uh did i admit too much here um moving on so okay i really want to talk about this scene this next scene because there's a lot in this so this next scene is the motel scene where patricia arquette the hippy dippy girlfriend walks into a motel with uh, two little people. And I feel like this is the craziest part of the movie where not are, not only are they going for like the most crass, low-hanging fruit jokes, but then they also try to have a message, like an actual genuine message about the plight of little people. And that was what was really weird about it because they walk into the motel and the clerk is like, no hookahs, you know? And... And typical Los Angeles accent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Something to that effect. And, but then, but then he makes a joke. Then he, he follows up the hooker joke with a joke about the little people. Cause then he's like, Oh, it's just a, 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 a mom with her two kids. So it's like, okay, you thought she was a hooker, but now you're saying that it's a hooker with her children. Like how does, how did that happen? Um, they they go they go into the the motel together and i think at this point peter dinklage starts to have like some sort of physical ailment like he just starts to hurt and gary oldman comes in and he and, and you know the gal the girlfriend is like what's wrong and that's the the part where they're actually trying to have a good message here right because little people deal with physical ailments based off of their their stature and so and and that's what gary oldman says and it's like oh okay so this movie might actually kind of explore some of these real serious issues. And then it just goes into more pandemonium because, uh, <laughs> well, then he just starts like, cause they were, yeah. they were downing some, some alcoholic beverages. Cognac and, then it just goes to, uh, Cognac and morphine. <laughs> and he said he had little people problems. I don't think, uh, I don't think like <laughs> the stomach ulcers might not, the stomach ulcers might've been from something else. No, well, and at one point, and I had to rewind this about three times, but Patricia Arquette is like, they're they're kind of making out, kind of drinking this cognac and cough syrup thing. And then she's like touching on his face and she's like, you've got that good owl medicine. <laughs> and I was like, well, she was supposed to be some sort of like, some sort of like hippie yoga or maybe not yoga, but like some kind of, you know, Western new medicine kind of thing. So, I mean, I feel like it was, they never like dove deep enough for those comments to make sense later on. No, but like you just had to assume that there was some, she had some background that might have let her to talk about the owl medicine, but you know what? But at the same time, like, okay, so he started having the stomach ulcers and she had like a wet rag and she was like dabbing his head and stuff. So they were swerving so much in the scene where it was like, Oh wow. She's like really, you know, she looks a little bit of a mess, but she's taking care of him and she's a nice person. And then they just go back to, you know, downing the cognac and cough syrup again. (laughs) That scene, that, that man, that was a good one. So we move on and which by the way, this scene is just like, 
it just cuts, right? Because you're about to oh, talk yeah. about him. You're about to talk about Gary Oldman leaving the motel. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, it's just morning and he happens to be in another place and you don't know what happens to him the entire night where he's got nowhere to sleep. No. Yeah, we, we there's a lot of assumption. But yes, Gary Oldman leaves the, the motel to go see his ex-girlfriend. He's in town, so he's going to see this, this ex-girlfriend. Now... I think it's safe to call the ex-girlfriend a nymphomaniac. Like that's kind of what they were going for with this character. And so his little person nympho ex-girlfriend is now living with a Palestinian security guard. That's just what she's up to. And they're having a conversation and in comes the boyfriend, the security guard boyfriend, and he proceeds to beat both of them up. He beats up. (laughs) the nympho girlfriend and Gary Oldman until the nympho takes out uh, the boyfriend with a boom box. Like she just grabs a boom box and waylays him. And that's pretty much the end of the scene. And Gary Oldman shows up at his next stop beat up and saying that he almost what someone was trying to take his life and, and yes. all of this. It, I mean, so what I took out of that was the guy was going to rough him up some, but it didn't seem like the guy was out to murder him. <laughs> so I don't know if in the next scene, if he was, you know, just trying to be hyperbolic and trying to get some extra sympathy or if really he did feel like he was, you know, at the threat of, of death. Yes. So, and and that's, that is, that remains unclear. That's, uh, that's probably the excuse he used so he could actually get inside someplace safe. Well, we find out at the end that, uh, that this lie was very successful. Well, don't, don't give anything away, Dan. (laughs) So, so yes, yeah, so we're about to have the reveal scene. This is a big pivotal point in the movie, right? But before we get to the big reveal part, I want to ask the boys a question because the establishing shot for this next scene, Kate Beckinsale is sitting at her breakfast nook. Oh, and we're skipping. <laughs> You're skipping my favorite part of the movie. Oh, what's your favorite part of the movie? Where they come back. Okay, because uh, Gary Oldman just got uh, beat up. And like, yes. <laughs> That guy was leveling him with some good haymakers. Yeah. Like ground and pound right on top of him. I, was, I mean, I, I I had to like squint through my fingers to, <laughs> to watch rough. that one. Because well, the gal got the gal got, got knocked out too, right? She got, like, she got knocked too. out. Yeah. But then <clears throat> so they the next scene, like right after you get to watch that, you go back to the hotel where uh, Patricia Arquette's got yes. stones all over. Yes, I forgot about a this. passed out Peter Dinklage, and um, he wakes up and management's banging on the door, and yeah. he gets a damn gun out from under the pillow <laughs> and spinning it, and you know, getting the bullets ready. And she takes off a shoe because management's banging on the door, and she starts beating his ass with a shoe. <laughs> and then they have to get out of there. She's like. Let's get out of here before we get caught or something. I don't remember. Literally, the management was just trying to say checkout was at noon. Yeah. And now it's three o'clock. You have to leave. Yeah. And their response is to pull a pistol. Yep. But like the rest of the movie, there's no other scene in the movie that like makes him seem like, you know, okay, yeah, he's a crazy Marxist, but like he's not this gun toting maniac, like except for that one scene where he pulls a gun out yeah. from under the pillow yeah. and then just starts pointing it at people. So is this the same scene where Patricia Arquette talks about her trucker husband? Have we, is that in that same scene? Do you guys remember this? It doesn't matter, but we like, like, like Dan said, other than referring to owl medicine, we didn't get a lot of background on her, but I believe in that same scene with the healing 
stones or whatever the hell she mentions that she used to have a husband, but their marriage fell apart because of uh, transsexual prostitutes. Do you guys remember that? Vaguely. Uh, that's, yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, who can remember every grandiose thing that happened in this film? But yeah, that was the background we got on her was owl medicine and her trucker husband left her for uh, a, a transvestite, I think was the the moral of that story. So another joke that wouldn't fly in 2021. No, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't quite hit, would it? So, yeah, so let's, let's move here to the, this is again, the, the big reveal point in the movie. And this is when Rolf, who is, what, what the hell kind of name is Rolf? Rolfie, I think is Gary Oldman's character. Rolfie. What was, Good uh, Lord. what was McConaughey's name? Uh, it was something that didn't fit with Rolf. No. You know? Yeah. What, like what, what's wrong with the parents? Yeah. yeah. You got twin boys. Uh, well, screw Patrick, this one. Maybe. Yeah. Here's John yeah. and Rolf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the parents. It's like a cruel joke by the parents, right? Oh, yeah. Well, he's so, anyway. well, so Kate, Kate Beckinsale is hanging out at her breakfast nook. And this scene had me stopping and kind of taking a, a long walk as well because she's hanging out all comfy cozy, right? And she's got a coffee cup and perched above that coffee cup is a pregnancy test. Like her pregnancy test is sitting on her active live coffee cup. Hmm. Now, listen, I haven't had the birds and the bees talk with mom and dad yet. I'm only 38, but don't you have to pee on the pregnancy test? To make it go. Is that the thing, right? I think that yep. might have been her coffee. Yeah. So why was the pregnancy test that she just peed on? Why were we timing it out on the coffee cup? Like, are, are we all on board with urinating on something and then placing it on top of our, our beverage? <laughs> I think she might have used the coffee cup as a catcher. You know, for the excess. <laughs> the so you don't added flavor? Cup later on. No, I think that she just used a cup and... I guess didn't want to go to the restroom and just hovered. <laughs> just got right. Oh, you're saying, oh, why? not just like holding the stick, but actually like being a part of the test. Yeah. Why would that? Why wouldn't that happen in this? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I, I, thought, show it. I was more concerned about because, you know, not only was the stick there, but she was like waiting on it to reveal the results to her to kind of confirm what she was thinking. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking if she's got coffee in there, if it's steaming, like couldn't that affect the result of the test because that's how those tests work is they're like you know liquid <laughs> liquid activated so steam coming out from the coffee that would totally skew the results yeah you, you're just, pregnant were, and hyper she should have just like well, as soon as she was done like oh i'm pregnant glug, 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 glug. Ah, <laughs> stir in her creamer that's <laughs> some good joe it's uh it's very acidic today for some reason tastes mm. like uh, asparagus so yeah, so after that questionable pregnancy test on top of a beverage scene, uh, that's when old Gary Oldman comes waddling in to the, uh, <laughs> the to the to the studio, and that's when Kate starts to put two and two together that she might be care she might be with little child. That might be what is happening here. Which, by the way, he like buzzes in. She lets him in. This stranger, she doesn't know him. He says, oh, I'm, you know, I'm the brother of your boyfriend. She lets him in and then she leaves the house and you'll, you'll, you might get to that. But then she leaves the house with the stranger who she's met 
15 minutes ago <laughs> just in the house in this this palace in the middle of Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. No, they're they're quick, they're fast friends. They are fast friends. So after that, and this is this is where I actually did some next level investigating guys because as I said at the beginning of this film, we can't really tell what McConaughey is, but he looks like smooth talking businessman in the first scene. We now find that Matthew McConaughey is actually a firefighter trainer man. And so I started thinking that, uh, oh yeah, one of my siblings is a firefighter. So I went ahead and contacted one Jenny Drastic and said, hey, look at this silly movie. Fast forward about 24 minutes and tell me what you think, because we're watching McConaughey train these firefighters. And you know, to the to the common person, I had no idea what I was looking at, but I wanted to see what a real live professional had to say about the training they were doing. And as I don't know if you guys see or maybe think you know where this is going, but the training that McConaughey is offering is absolute bullshit. Like, <laughs> no, it makes no sense because from what Jenny says, they were essentially structural firefighters, like guys that were suited up to go fight a fire in a building and they were doing some sort of wildland firefighting. So they were putting out fires in, in the trees. They're throwing dirt on the fire. There was fire on the ground and they were shoveling dirt onto it. And by the way, as they were doing it, the fire was not going out. No. So he was, they were doing this training where they were supposed to put out fire with dirt going down the line and the fire just stays roaring as, as much as ever. It's not working. It's a hot mess as you might say. And and then in that same scene, there's like a there's like a hot firefighter cadet gal, the blonde haired gal. And now I think we're supposed to maybe pick up on the fact that maybe McConaughey is a dirtbag. I, f- I feel like this is the first insinuation, right? Is that right. or is that is that he's, he's lighting that guy up? He's telling him, oh, I told yeah. you to lose that blubber, you know, like drill sergeanting real hard. And he gets called out by his his coworkers, mm-hmm. right? That's so. That's how you know. Okay, this is not normal. Like he's he's mistreating this person. At first, I thought maybe she was like at his level, and they were doing this together. But she's just a recruit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very, very, very she weird. Was talking, to him, talking to him, like, what are you doing? Why are you being so mean to him? And uh, yeah, and she's just another recruit. Yeah. Know. I don't even think they give her a name, but she shows up a couple times. So random. And I thought it, I thought the way the path was going a few more scenes from here that Matthew McConaughey's character was actually like going to hook up with her and like cheat on Kate Beckinsdale. And like, they imply that in one scene, which we'll get to. Yeah. And then it just like that, that storyline drops too. Right. Cause in the, uh, in the, uh, the bulge scene at the very beginning, she, uh, she thinks he's cheating on her. When he's really just right. hosting little people conventions, so I mean they've That's already right. thrown that. They've thrown the uh, the whole cheating on me aspect from the beginning, and then which you, see you know, her and you're like, mm, maybe, yeah, which is weird because, well, it's weird that Kate Beckinsale's character gets mad at him when she finds out this family, you know, what was a secret, what seemed like a secret, because this whole time, like you said, she thought that he was cheating on her. And then she just found out that there was something he was, I'll say, embarrassed by from his personal family life. But then she gets more mad at him about that than maybe she would have if he actually was cheating. Like, you would think that would be like, oh, that's good news. Like, this is opportunity to grow closer together and learn more about him. But no, it was like, oh, I'm mad at him 
even though he, like he yeah. couldn't win at that point. Yeah, very weird. And Dan, just side note, you keep pronouncing Kate's last name as if there's a D in it. Mm-hmm. What is it? It's Beckinsale. And Beckinsale. I think okay. You keep adding like a. You're starting to create a web character name where it's like. <laughs> That's uh, just throwing some some extra consonants in there for some reason. So anywho, That's where the first fans from Beckinsale. <clears throat> See, there you go. I believe they're the fighting farmers. So absolutely. Um, so we move on, and after a few extra scenes that I think we've kind of maybe gone a little bit sideways on, uh, we do get back to the the firefighter scene, and th- this is there's a, a secondary firefighter scene right where now. I guess Kate and Gary are our best buds and she goes to confront McConaughey's character about what he was hiding from her. And this is where she's wearing one of her, her silly hats. And again, as we denoted in kind of the making of portion, the, the producer's wife did not want Kate Beckinsale wearing this hat. And I wholeheartedly agree with, the producer's wife. That was a, that hat, that, that hat looked like she went into Willy Wonka and she went to Charlie's uncle's bed and grabbed one of their, their nighttime hats. It was like, what, how would you even say it was like a striped conical hat that hung Hmm. off to the side. It was the weirdest. Like picture a Santa Claus hat, but without the furry ball and with, you know, without the class. (laughs) She was a court jester. It was yeah. it was Gadzooks from that era. <sighs> it it really her lucky yes. hat. Yes, lucky hat. She, you know what? But Adam just nailed it. She was she was uh, her wardrobe was provided by Gadzooks circa two thousand two. That was exactly what she was wearing the entire time. Everything see through too. So oh so yeah reason, yeah. If I mean, need a reason to Google image this, not watch the movie, but. You can look up images. Yeah, I like, uh, yeah, she's hanging out and she's got like silk jammies on and she's got the whale tail and it's just the least, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not good. It's, 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 it's an so interesting we look, whale tail. So. We're old. So, so Kate silly hat confronts McConaughey and they've, they're, they're both on the same page, right? They, uh, they both know that, McConaughey's family is all comprised of little people. And at this point, they go to a little people party. Hmm. And uh, the the guest that everyone is excited about is David Allen Greer, who, again, as he was uh, at the start of the show, is kind of a celebrity amongst the small people community. And... He ends up hooking up with Gary Oldman's nympho ex-girlfriend. Right. And they were making things work. Yeah, they were trying to work out. They were exactly Gary Oldman and the ex-girlfriend were trying to get back together. That was his date for the party. That was right. his so they date were there together. together. Yeah. Now, the thing that I found amazing about that scene hmm. was that everybody's looking for the nympho girlfriend, right? Mm-hmm. And Gary Oldman wanders into a room and turns on the light switch to big reveal. David Allen Greer is having his way with Nympho girlfriend. The thing that drove me crazy about that scene was that the room they're in 
is entirely made of windows. Mm-hmm. So like at a very crowded party. At a I don't even crowded. remember him turning on lights. Like it didn't matter. It was a well lit no. group. But like the whole idea that he had to turn on a light to see what was going mm-hmm. on in front of him. But you could have been out there by the pool and seen it because mm-hmm. like they're just in a room with glass. I mean, and nobody cared. And no, yeah, nobody was like, <laughs> oh, it's, that was uh, that that was great. But the other weird scene, the other weird thing I say is if there's only two weird things about <laughs> any scene movie. in this movie, there are the, the the other weird thing about this scene was that McConaughey brought the cadets, mm-hmm. the, the blonde haired girl. And then there was a brunette. So he showed up to this party with two other girls and they just kind of go off and probably do David Allen Greer as well. But yeah, that's another like it's just a just a strand of this movie that well you, you know, skip the you skip the scene where another fight <laughs> where they're on the phone with one another. So he's yeah. he's like in a dark field, apparently at this training camp wherever they're at, and he's on the phone with her, and that's where they're getting in the fight. And she says, "Well, I'm going to this party, and I I want you to go with me. I want to meet you there, or something like that." And he agrees to meet her, and it's a very dark field. He agrees to meet her, and then as soon as they hang up, he's like, my phone's about to die, so he hangs up on her. And then he just chucks his cell phone. Like, <laughs> That's right. He just, he just winds up and throws it. Yeah. Appeared to be really far in this pitch black field. Yeah. And then out of the shadows emerges the blonde cadet. Yeah. And that's the scene where I'm like, she's going to come in mm-hmm. to his life at this point of, you know, of drama. And something's going to happen. And then you they show up together, like you just right. said, to this party. It's and you're like, like you okay, like. Party? And she's wearing like a, like what, like a hot red dress or something like that. When she, there's like this establishing shot of her entering the party. Like she's going to, this is going to be a character that you need to remember. No. And then just, that's it. <laughs> that's it. She just wanders over to the hors, hors d'oeuvre tray. And meanwhile, I think we've missed uh, about three scenes that really don't matter featuring Peter Dinklage and yeah. Trisha Arquette. Uh, their characters are just kind of there. They're just kind of there. And he and rants again, about political things a lot. And yeah. yeah. And he's it's, drunk. And they're sitting on a blanket just discussing. <laughs> For some reason, they're always on a blanket outside of the scene. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Yeah. So hey, here's a here's a fun fact. We'll take a segue. Yes. Um Matthew McConaughey is from my hometown of Longview. Ah, uh, yes. And lived on the street next to me. No kidding. Yeah. And he's I think he's old well, he's older than me. He's he's I think about four or five years older than me. Right. And when when I was young, I guess he was a a bad teenager or whatever. And our house got robbed one day while I was at school. Oh, wow. Boss dropped me off and my sister and we come in the places ransacked and whatever. And the cops like later on are like a hundred percent sure that it was McConaughey gang, you know? <laughs> that, wow. You know? Yeah. Breaking news. I know he owes me a stereo. Man, well, he's about to be your governor, so you might be able to track right. him down then. And see, that's that town loves him. He is god tier. Oh, long. sure. You know, doesn't matter what he does. If he's high playing bongos for the cops, you know, yeah. in Austin, they don't care. You know, he can do no wrong. So I figure if anyone could beat Greg Abbott in Longview, Texas, it would be only him. I mean, but, Longview is the linchpin in which most Texas elections fall. I mean, that is, really yeah. is the pivot point. Right. I, f- I feel like we need to investigate the cost of a billboard 
in Longview. <laughs> we we need a billboard that says Longview, home uh, birthplace of Tiptoes Star and Man Who Owes Adam Rober a Boombox. <laughs> yeah. Matthew that's, McConaughey. That's what Longview's known for is uh McConaughey and Neil McCoy and Drunk Adam. I mean that's yeah, that's quite that is that is the list you want to be on. That's the Mount Rushmore, Mount Rushmore of uh, Longview. So anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in, and that's perfect. We love it. That's yeah. amazing. So okay, we need to talk about another scene because I feel like this was actually my favorite scene of the whole movie. It was the scene where the McConaughey parents meet the Kate Beckinsale parents. I love this scene. I think it was the best scene of the movie. I do too. I think that this was the. Well, go ahead and and go ahead and give it to him, Jack. Okay, Jack, so give it to him. So the the little people are the hosts, right? Uh, we've got Gary Oldman on his knees behind a mini bar, and then we have what I think was uh, someone from the Lollipop Guild. I feel like it. Ooh, like, that's no? from Twin Peaks. You know, oh, that's right. Yeah. He was from Twin Peaks. That's yeah. right. Yep. 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 Yeah. So he's, flip, he's flipping burgers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's flipping burgers. And then there's as McConaughey's dad. As McConaughey's dad, as one will. Uh, and so, you know, they're having a great time. And Kate Beckinsale's parents show up and they establish very quickly that mom and dad are like, well, not not so much dad. Right. But more mom is aghast. Because mm-hmm. she had no idea, no warning that uh, McConaughey's family were all little people, and they they pull that string pretty hard, right? That's yeah, they're not. It's not getting any better. It, she's getting more and more uncomfortable as the night goes on. Yeah, she's barely touching her food, and and dad- she actually said that to Kate that you know you could have warned us about this, and I was like, yeah, you could have. <laughs> that's true that's Nobody. my notes why did carol not warn her parents at 55 <laughs> 50 wow it's it's an on it's like dominoes falling because mcconaughey didn't tell her she didn't tell her she parents. hated it so bad that she repeated the <laughs> repeated yeah. it it's yeah. like series of pranks <laughs> <laughs> pretty much pretty much so after a i, I like the parents i thought the parents were cast very well you know i thought they did their job excellently uh after a very odd limerick about farting uh we get what i think is the funniest part of the the genuinely best part of this movie because mom is very uncomfortable about something and we all are let you know they they get us on the hook right they they make us assume that she's really uncomfortable about them being small people and it turns out that she wants to make sure that this is a Jewish wedding that McConaughey and Kate are going to have because one of their grandparents is 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 converted to Judaism. And so that's a whole like, ah, we thought you were going to be an awful person, but right. you just want a Jewish wedding. It was that was I thought. And then was, she can finally eat her steak, right? Right. And then she, she can breathe steak. finally. I feel yeah, like that was she wouldn't even say it like she was like, it's almost like. Uh, her and her husband went to the bathroom and she was like, you need to bring this up, you know? <laughs> and she actually did. She, she wasn't saying a word, wasn't smiling, wasn't laughing at any jokes and looks at her husband and is like, are you going to bring it up? 
Yeah. And we're like, he's like, okay, so we got to get serious. <laughs> you know, and, and all he wanted to say was, you know, grandpa won't come to the wedding if it's not Jewish. <laughs> and, the, and the wife's just like, uh huh, uh huh. And just like waiting on this answer from uh, from her daughter and Matthew McConaughey. And they're all like, oh, yeah, no big deal. Sure. <laughs> and yeah, and then she's normal. <laughs> Yeah. And everybody like there was a there was like when everyone was laughing, they show everyone laughing. And I was actually like everyone is I feel like you I know you're acting, but like I feel like you're laughing and that's okay because this this that was actually pretty funny, right? It wasn't forced, you know. It just seemed like that was like the one part of this movie where I was like, "Oh, I feel I feel like I'm actually watching actual cinema right now." And yeah. And then we go back into not cinema. <laughs> and then it comes back. Don't worry. We're at the wedding and it's, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just a wedding. I mean, it's just stock um, footage, basically. See-through pregnant wedding dress. <sighs> yeah. See-through pregnant wedding dress. Mm-hmm. That was, that was something that happened. And the, oh yeah. And that's when uh, Patricia Arquette, her character says something really crappy about, <laughs> about the wedding dress and about the girl. And all of a sudden now, like they're actually becoming like bad guys. They're almost like converting into this, like nobody likes you guys kind right. of vibe, they're on right? A, they're on a blanket. And she, on says, <laughs> she says, why don't you, uh, why don't we get married? And Dinklage is all. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. He says, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> Baguette. Lafayette. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, he said something along the lines of, uh, uh, because once you get married, you're family. And yeah, that's gross. Yeah. And he's like making out with her saying this. He's like, if you are a brother or a sister, mm-hmm. mwah, mwah. it's so God, it was so. Icky. Right. And yeah, God, everybody, uh-huh. everybody did what they could to work with what they had. Right. I, I would mm-hmm. say. And I feel like, again, the whole time watching Dinklage, I'm like, you could have been the small person, right? Like you were yep. about you the same age. Yeah, you could have been Rolf. <laughs> yeah, Rolf. and they didn't need his character anyway. So, I mean, he was just sidekick friend. Yeah. Yeah. So we fast forward, and Kate Beckinsale's having a baby. Oh, right? wait, no, oh, Jack. Yeah. You can tell you didn't watch this last night. No, I didn't. Because I didn't. they're going to leave after the wedding, and and she gets out of the car. She's like, "Hang on," and she goes up to Rolf and just like, you know, just. Thank uh, you. You're my brother. Da, da, da. You know, yeah. this and that, and then kisses him on the mouth. Like, yeah, they mouth kiss. Yeah, kiss. That's what you do, brother in laws. Yeah, like we, like Dinklage told us. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and then it was just like cut to, you know, I guess to the hospital. Maybe now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. They didn't even give us a birthing scene and or anything. They just no. They cut to her holding what clearly yep. is a baby doll, and they go and they go straight to Matthew McConaughey's grumpy face. Yeah, grumpy <laughs> and drenched. He he, he was they in are that, soaked. He was 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 that remember he was in that movie where he was it was like a John Grisham movie where he was like a mm-hmm. lawyer. Yeah, and he was just sweaty the whole time because in <laughs> like that's how lawyers are in the South and yeah Grisham time movie. Thinking Lincoln lawyer, maybe was, I don't know, but like time to kill. He's just doused. Time yeah, time to kill. And he's just doused and looking at this baby. And like you said, just grumpy. Just he's mad because the, you know, they what they and this is a big plot hole, <laughs> but they're the whole thing is okay, this baby might be a little person baby, or it might be a normal per size baby. And but the only way you know is when the baby's born. So you can tell then by his reaction in this scene yeah. that 
the baby is going to be little, which that's the plot hole is that's not how this works. So the only way for a little person to be born as a baby is if one of the two parents is a little person because it's all genetic. And if the gene is not passed to a parent, then they don't carry that gene to pass it to their child. So that's like this whole story of the whole movie is, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the non little person twin might have a little person baby, which is scientifically impossible. So the whole movie is (laughs) is built on this ridiculous premise. That's not true. You could have come right to Matthew McConaughey's face and he's he's just holding his arms going, I told you. That's pretty much like the whole movie. Yeah. Like, what I told you. <laughs> and then he punched a hole in the freaking hospital. The door. <laughs> that, was that, is that the scene where they're, uh, I call it oh. trouble in paradise, where they're they're back at the loft and they're obviously struggling. Is no, that- this is in the oh, hospital no, with the hospital. doctor in the room. Yeah, and guess who the doctor is? <laughs> Here he comes. Yeah. It's Jesus. a little person playing the doctor, which, you know, that's fine. They can be doctors. But One in this, in McConaughey is getting violent and punching the wall and all the yeah. doctor says, and sir, you need some help. And the <laughs> wife's it. like, yeah, you do. <laughs> and he's, just, and he's like, all right, I'm going to send you guys home with the baby now. <laughs> <laughs> Give it vitamins. Uh, oh, He's gosh. trying to explain to her that that uh, he doesn't want this because it it hurts, you know, to be a yeah. baby. You know, you've got to have morphine and this and that. Lots of troubles. Uh, no, yeah, but it is. It's just a whole lot of I told you, I told you. <laughs> yeah, it's so such a weird juxtaposition, right? Because he's. We figure out he's a dirt bag, but then there is this like I am genuinely concerned about this baby's future, but also I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe hook up with these two broads and maybe? punch walls. <laughs> it's tough. So let's we fast forward to the trouble in paradise scene where they're back at the loft and the loft is now baby central, right? And the one note I had on this scene was how humorous I thought it was that the baby's area is set up right in front of his dumbbells. <laughs> yeah. And like like toys strewn across the dumbbells. Yeah. There's toys on the dumbbells because there's nothing wrong with the possibility of a baby just going, <laughs> grabbing a, a 45 pound weight, just, you know, <laughs> like that, that, that was, I found that to be odd. And the baby's 10 months old at this point. So that's kind of the, the dateline right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they're struggling. <laughs> Things are going poorly. And he can't take it anymore, right? He's sitting on the spiral staircase, and that's exactly what he says: is holding hand to brow, is like, I just can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she goes to a cabin, and that's pretty he, much the rest of the made, movie is a cabin. He made her say it, though. He made her say it. Yeah. Why can't you say it? Why can't you say it? <laughs> say it. He's a dwarf. <laughs> Uh, he was like grilling her, trying to get him. It's been ten months. You've known about it the whole time. Why can't you say it? You know, and just I mean, when I guess we're to understand because when this breakup happens, she leaves the house mm-hmm. and goes to find somewhere else to live, which we're about to get to. Yeah, but and he stays home, so that must have been his place. That art, said- what looked like an art studio that the artist was oh, probably right. calling home. But no, it's a firefighter trainer that lives in this mm-hmm. art, you know, this art studio type apartment with mm-hmm. no firefighter paraphernalia. I mean, there's no, yeah, there's not even any 
I don't know. There's just tidy whities. Like, I was gonna make a, I was gonna make a hose joke. <laughs> <laughs> there is a hose. That's that is accurate. So so we move on to the cabin where Dinklage and Oldman are living along with uh what Dinklage's girlfriend. She's still she's still there. She is. And they for at least for a time for some time right because they have a they have a falling out. For some Which, reason. by the way, this place is massive. This is mm-hmm. like a, not a cabin. This is like a giant, you know, wooden house in the woods. Looks like they have some acreage. <clears throat> well, and when we, they explain it, we learn that he, he being Gary Oldman's character, mm-hmm. is a writer for a newspaper. So <laughs> this is how he affords his giant house in the woods is to write for newspapers. And he tells us he syndicated to three papers yeah. three at the very end of the movie they tell us right after all this work yeah he's he's a writer he syndicated to three papers that's not going to pay those bills so there's <laughs> they just found a, a house in the woods that they had access to and that was going to be where he lived i think but, they said i think gary oldman said that he was staying in his parents cabin oh like it's a family cabin maybe i want to say you know what i was tuning out big time by this point <laughs> oh how dare you how I'm dare you? Well, obviously I did because I can't remember the sequences of these scenes at all. But I mean, the whole time he couldn't afford to go to the convention any other way than to borrow a, a motorcycle. And then they had to go in, like go in all all three of them to get a cheap motel. So, yeah, I'm assuming that even though now he's a writer, mm-hmm. that this is kind of a borrowed <laughs> situation with the cabin. Right. Right. He's just uh, he's just holding out on him. So. What was the what I can't remember Dinklage and Patricia Arquette. They have a falling out for some stupid reason. I can't even remember what the point was of that. I, it wasn't a uh, a real breakupable moment. I think. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, it was just the accumulation of all their fights. Yeah. But yeah, it was over something silly and they're breaking stuff and the baby's not even caring. Yeah. Because you know? well, it's a doll. Right. We've established that. they. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they do a few close ups of a baby not being held, but like they'll do a zoom in on a baby in a bassinet or a zoom in on. But then whenever they're holding something, it's always a doll. Right. You can tell yeah. it's not even not even good. So now they, it's their fights always escalate to something being broken. And yeah, they don't even really show this one. I think that it was uh, it was uh, Beckinsale's you know, focus on her. And all you could do is hear this in the background and you never see them again. Yeah, just exit stage left. Mm-hmm. So so now it's Dinklage and Oldman and Beckinsale taking care of a baby together or something. And uh, Longview's own Matthew McConaughey drives on up the, the driveway. The pickup truck. And now we have our final, the big confrontation between Beckinsale and McConaughey. And it does not go well, does it? So I don't know. I, I, I think I don't either. I was hoping what he, you guys just watched it, but it it goes bad. And and McCon- oh god, this movie is so awful. I can't. I'm trying so hard to get through this. Oh yeah, McConaughey breastfeeding. He leaves. There there is breastfeeding. Yes, um, with a doll. That's with a doll. That's yeah, funny. yeah. On that's Dinklage, right? I think Dinklage was <laughs> lactating at that point, and so McConaughey they have a thing and they leave. And let's just get to the point where the end, the the fabulous finish to this movie, mm-hmm. where the least sexual tension amongst any two people ever, <laughs> there is more sexual tension amongst the three of us right now. 
than there was when Kate and Oldman are sitting together <laughs> and Kate delivers the line, you can kiss me if you want. <laughs> and he sure does. He sure does. He and th- <laughs> and scene throws and his movie. throws his prosthetic baby arm across her, <laughs> just lays one on her, and then we roll credits. Well, she's asleep too in her in her room, and he comes in and is like and takes the baby. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he took the baby, and and then he he comes back and he's like, "Come with me," because <laughs> he's he's got to sound like McConaughey, and so. She's in a deep sleep and she wakes up and he's takes her out to the fireplace and's like burning wood and stuff and has nothing to say to her. <laughs> I, I mean, I think, I mean, he's definitely in on the rebound right here, but it's just like, come with me. And he just starts a fire and sits there and she looks at him and says, you can kiss me if you want. It's like, <laughs> God, it's crazy. some Mac daddy stuff right there though. You know, whenever you can be like, wake someone up from a deep sleep with a, a mother with a 10-month-old child who definitely isn't sleeping. And uh, just tell him, walk with me and talk with me and say nothing. And that works. So, guys, the Amazon reviewers, the folks who have watched this, have given this movie three and a half stars. Out of five? Out of five. But this is, this is a, a prime example of, like, a movie so bad that it's funny that people are going to rate it higher. Mm-hmm. If you're rating it purely for like the quality of the movie compared to how normal people would mm-hmm. think about movies, it's not going to get that, but it's got that cult kind of following where people are going to like it because it's so bad. Not to mention you'd have to know it exists before you rate it. And I don't think many people do. I thought I, I, I if you look at the YouTube trailer, I mean, there's only like, 200,000 views or something like that. Some very small number. So it's, it's amazing that this movie is flown so low under the radar, but closing thoughts, guys, I I forced my, my good friends to watch this film. What do you guys rate it? What are your final thoughts on tiptoes? I give it 10 out of 10 on the aspirin scale. (laughs) That one hurt. Like, you know, it's like watching. It really is like watching it through your fingers the whole time because like literally my temples. I mean, I just couldn't stop rubbing them the whole movie. I was just like, I was mad at you. Jack. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm really but, sorry. Yeah. But I watched the whole thing. I don't think I would have if um, if it weren't for you telling me I had to. <laughs> So in lieu of me rating the movie, I want to leave you with two fun facts about the movie. The first is, believe it or not, the film was over budget <laughs> due, due to full throttle spending by producer Burt Krassler, large quantities of sushi, Tito's brand vodka, and allegedly methamphetamines all made the list. Nice. Wow. So that's your one fun fact. Yeah. The second, and this kind of goes back to... What we started with at the beginning, Gary Oldman playing a little person when he's not a little person. When Peter Dinklage was asked why he didn't oppose Oldman playing a little person, Dinklage said that Oldman broke down sobbing whenever confronted and wouldn't stop until the director ensured him that he was doing nothing wrong. Oof. I bet you, yeah. I, uh. So Oldman sounds like a little bit of a head case at this point. Maybe he needed a little Harry Potter to turn things around. Yeah. I, I look at Oldman in this like I look at Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder because people 
people really at this point, there there's at least some segment of internet who is angry that Robert Downey Jr. played blackface in Tropic Thunder. And on its surface, that sounds bad. And honestly, it's the same thing for me, for Gary Oldman. Like, I don't feel like Oldman was disrespectful by any means. I don't think he did anything uh, that was offensive or in bad spirit. I feel mm-hmm. like he just tried to play the role. I feel like this movie has people in it that are trying pretty hard. They just never did a second take of any scene. No, <laughs> probably not. And and that was a crazy thing, too, was that like I watched this movie and, and I didn't feel like at any point they were trying to be offensive. You know, no. there was some there was some wacky stuff, but yeah, I mean, there was no cheap shots. There was no real like, I mean, there was some cringy stuff, but it was just because it was bad. It wasn't that it was, you know, like I, I, I don't know if I could say anything was really offensive. But then again, I'm not, you know. Yeah, I feel like Kate Kate Beckinsale's character was very much written by an 18 year old boy. You know, I mean, um, mm-hmm. automatic BJ, you know, and then just right. n- never really having like the whole Bechtel scale. You know, she she's she doesn't have any dimension except for the fact that she's with child, essentially. And and then, yeah, I mean, they they really it seemed like they wanted to say something about little people that was important, but it just never really happened. So right. what I what I learned about little people was that they 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 experience pain and they they, for some reason, really like David Allen Greer in much the same way that Germans love David Hasselhoff, apparently. So that's what I learned. So should should we shut this one down, boys? Are we are we done here? I think we've talked about the movie for as long as the movie lasted. So I'd say so. Then we served it justice. That is all for this week's Men Seeking Tomahawks. Be sure to subscribe to the program on your podcast app of choice. Become a tomahawk-seeking person by joining the conversation on your favorite social media outlet. And to hear more from the musicians featured on today's program, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. For Dan, Adam, and myself, we'll see you at the movies.